This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike Shope. We were having a very serious conversation about mayonnaise here. And the Bulldog. And don't even talk to me about weed. On WGR Sports Radio 550. It is always a pleasure to welcome our next guest, Mark Schofield, to the show. SB Nation, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And I don't know, Mark, I'm sorry, I didn't know you lived in Maryland. Your location here says Maryland. Is that new? Is that, have you always, you know, Bulldog, we talk to guests and we don't often, you know, don't necessarily know where they are. Mm-hmm. Like Travis Yost gets ripped from people sometimes for being like Toronto media. Is he in... In in uh, Lake Tahoe or something like Travis. Is... <laughs> so Mark Maryland, like what's the what's the backstory on you in this? Well, gentlemen, always great to be with you. And yes, I am a, a, a citizen. I do live down here in Maryland, but the Boston accent gives it away. I have tried to shake the Boston accent. I I haven't lived in the Boston area, really, the New England area, since my college days. But I went down to uh, Virginia. For law school, and after law school, my uh, now wife and I moved to the Maryland area where I practiced law before. Decided, look, the practice of law wasn't really for me, which is a really nice way of saying I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, so I, I, we live in the Maryland area, just north of Washington D.C. But yet, you know, after 20 years, I still cannot shake the Boston accent. That's all right. I was in Towson two weeks ago. Are you near? Uh, you go. Yeah, that's pretty close, right? Just yep. north of Baltimore. So. Yep. Well, you think you know somebody, Bulldog, right? We've right. connected with Mark so many times about football and Yacht Rock, but uh, never about uh, geography. Never so. about crab cakes and football, right? That's right. That's Mario right. Yeah. I like the use of Maryland area, too, by the way. Yes. The Maryland area. And Mark <laughs> is covering F1, which I, I that's a that's a relatively new development, maybe. Hey, now. <laughs> it is a relatively new development, but um, now we have the F1 season, and I decided, look, you know, if I'm going to be spending – a good portion of my weekend watching this, I might as well write about it. <laughs> so I've just kind of forced my way into it. And now, look, we've got F1 stories. I've been invited to press conferences. I get emails from all the teams with quotes from drivers and stuff. It's 
it's nice, it's fun, it's very easy, and it's enjoyable too. But it also, see, the drawback to that is when you decide, look, I'm going to cover something on the weekend. Then you get sucked to it every weekend, and there's no excuse. You can't, like, dip out. you got to stick around for races. So <laughs> I was committed. flying back from the combine on Sunday, and I'm at the terminal waiting at the gate, waiting to take off, and I've got the, got the race on. And I'm Bahrain. No, it's for the articles. i got to write. That's it. Well, let's um, – thank you, Mark. Let's talk about the combine there that you, that you attended in Indianapolis. Anthony Richardson, we, we've just talk, sort of in passing last couple days made the point, like, had he – he won the combine or that he was the story of it. Is that right? I think so for a number of different reasons. One, quarterbacks always move the needle. I mean, it doesn't matter. Even if, like, say, last year the story coming out of the combine was one, Malik Willis, two, Kenny Pickett's hands, and three, <laughs> is this a bad quarterback class? I mean, those were the big stories. Quarterbacks drive the traffic. They create the content. They pay the bills on my end. So I, I do appreciate that aspect as well. But – being in the building Saturday, you know, because I, I was in Lucas Oil on Thursday when the linebackers, defensive linemen, um, when they tested, and it was kind of a sterilized environment. There weren't a lot of fans. And when you're in Lucas Oil during the combine, they're not telling you what the times are when somebody runs the 40. They're simulcasting the NFL Network coverage, but they're not showing you the audio, so you have to kind of look in the corner of the end zone to see if on the closed caption and they tell you what the time is, and sometimes they don't right away. It was much different Saturday because there were fans there. There was a bit more of a, I don't want to say it was like an NFL Sunday, but it had a little bit more energy. And there was just a different vibe, different feeling when he was throwing, when he was tested. You could tell that the, the, the quarterback landscape was shifting a little bit. And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, 40-inch vertical leap. What does that do for a quarterback? Oh, he runs a 4-4-3. What does that do for a quarterback? Well, here's what it does. That explosiveness as an athlete translates to velocity as a passer, torque, and explosion, and it gives you an extra half second as a rookie quarterback in the NFL to read a concept because you've got the velocity to get the ball where it needs to be even if you take that extra bit in the pocket. And if that sounds familiar to the people that are listening, that was the Josh Allen path, right? It was the he's an explosive athlete, he's got the velocity, so as a rookie, his first two years even in the NFL, he can take that extra time in the pocket to get the ball where it needs to be to figure out, am I seeing this exactly right? And so Richardson was, yes, he was probably the big winner, but I think C.J. Stroud performed really well. And I think Bryce Young, measuring the way he did, while it's not you know 6-1 or something like that, it was enough to sort of check that box. So I think he left Indianapolis having done really well you know, some of the corners, some of the other position players, Bijan Robinson, I thought, had a very good combine. But, yeah, Richardson was probably, probably the big winner. How, how much do you think he helped himself? Like, is he – Mike and I, I think, agree that, like, I'm, I'm willing to predict he'll be the first pick um, at, at this point. Um, yeah. And, but I, but I, with that I said, like, I'm a sucker for, for the toolsy guy, Mark. Sorry, I, I want to just finish out the, 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 the explanation here. You mentioned Malik Willis last year. And I thought reading about him that teams, some team would fall in love with him, even though he didn't have the, the stature that Allen nor Richardson has, the athleticism, the big arm, the running ability, the tools. I thought some team would overdraft him for the tools, and, and of course that didn't happen. Richardson feels like a really good Allen comp, and therefore he's probably going to go real high. Could he go one, you think? I, think? I think it's on the table. I don't know if it ends up happening that way. I think a lot of it 
And part of the discussion amongst media members who were there Saturday was, who's the general manager that's turned in that card at one? If it's somebody that feels like they're a bit, you know, safe in their job so they can take mm-hmm. a bigger swing, it might be Richardson. If it's somebody who feels like, look, I've got to get to one, I've got to get the quarterback, but my, I'm on the hot seat here a little bit, so I want to make sure it's a safer pick. It might be Yun or Shroud. But the fact that we're coming out of this combine and the, the Richardson at one conversation is real, I think tells you that he won. And I think sort of the difference between Richardson this year and Willis last year won. You know, Richardson's a bit farther along as a passer. There's this idea that he's, you know, raw, that he needs two years. I'm not so sure about that. I think he just needs some more reps because his eyes are right for the most part. That's a big difference between him and Willis last year. Richardson, a lot of times the eyes, so the mind is right. It's just getting everything else caught up with that, which will come with time and with practice and with reps and with game time experience. And so I think the fact that he's a little bit closer to being ready than, say, Willis was coming out also opens the door to look, you know, we could draft him a one or hypothetically Seattle. You're sitting there at five. Yeah, you just signed Geno Smith, but you have a chance to get somebody, give him a year, and then let him go. You know, Pete Carroll talked about that. John Schneider talked about that earlier last week, saying that, look, we've never picked this early before. It's an opportunity to perhaps get a franchise quarterback. They don't grow on trees. That might be a fantastic landing spot for him. So I think he's going to go early. It could happen at one, but it's happening early. Good point about the GM. Like, can Chris Ballard afford to pick Richardson? Right. Right. You know, um, Detroit, yes. Seattle, yes. Raiders, I don't know. But I'm not sure it matters so much when it's the Raiders because it's a Vegas kind of Vegas baby. Yeah. Um, just quickly, because we don't want to spend the whole thing on the quarterbacks here, if that's OK, Mark. But like Stroud, is the is the community sleeping on him a little bit? I mean, it's young and it's the size conversation and Richardson and this wow factor. It feels like Stroud is kind of, I'm sorry, under the radar a little bit. Right, it does feel that way. And, I mean, for me, he's my favorite of the group. I, I really kind of like all four to a different extent, to, a, you know, varying degrees. I like Stroud. I'm a big fan of his. You saw that on Saturday. He's so smooth. The rhythm as a passer, the ball placement. You know, and I really appreciate it, and, and this is one of my favorite things at the Combine, hearing them talk, hearing them talk about their weaknesses. Young had to talk about his size. Richardson had to talk about sort of the rawness to his game. And Stroud faced a lot of questions Friday from the media about why he didn't run more and was he a good enough athlete. And he talked about the fact that, look, I've got guys that are wide open. If I don't throw it you know, to Marvin Harrison and he's wide open, I'm going to hear about it. So I'm going to spread the ball around to my guys. Should I have run more? Yeah. Can I run? Absolutely. Watch my film. But to see the awareness there, I really appreciate that. And so – you know, Richardson's, yes, the wow factor, young, the size, and all of that. Stroud's a very good quarterback as well. With Mark Schofield on the West Her Hotline here on WGR, Mike Shope and the Bulldogs. So, um, Lamar Jackson, Mark, we'll get to some bills here uh, soon, but this is just a almost, it's a stunning story, stunning set of developments with Jackson. You feeling collusion here with all the teams so quickly yesterday lining up through their media outlets to announce that they're not interested, or is that uh, the wrong path? I'd almost say this is somewhat of a cop-out answer. Ask me Monday afternoon, because there's a part of me, like right in the moment when it was like all five of these teams come out and say, no, 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 we're not interested, it's easy to go there, right? Because it's like, man, this feels almost like a concerted effort here. Like they're, 
you know, coming out in mass to say, no, 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 we're not interested. But then I sort of like slept on it. I got up today and I'm like, well, we just saw the NFL drop the hammer on the Dolphins to take away a first round pick for tampering. Is a team going to even off the record say, yeah, 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 Atlanta Falcons, we're absolutely 100% going after Lamar Jackson. Or are they going to wait? And once we get into Monday, that sort of legal tampering period, whatever that means, suddenly all these teams that said they're not interested are going to come on and say on the record, absolutely, it's Lamar Jackson. It's a former MVP. Of course we're interested. And so I think we might see that end up happening. And people have said, well, it's going to look really silly if they turn around and go after him. No, it's pretty simple. It's Lamar Jackson. It's a former MVP. It's a dynamic talent at the position. Yeah, of course you're interested. You don't want to sort of step on your own toes. And it's it's why – a lot of coaches and general managers last week, they would ask questions about players, and they'd say, look, can't get into that. Talk, not talking about somebody on a different team. They're really trying to avoid that. And so I think when we get to Monday, you'll see some teams start saying, yeah, we're absolutely interested. You'll hear some stories and read some reporting that teams are interested. But if it gets to be, say, Monday afternoon, and it's still the situation we're in now where nobody's interested, then I think the collusion argument becomes a little bit stronger. Do you, do you think we're at bridges burning between Jackson and the Ravens, Mark? Maybe. I mean, the fact that, you know, they went sort of non-exclusive tag, you know, and we're going down this road when they've had two years where they're trying to work out a deal, as Adam Schefter pointed out today, it, it does feel like, I don't know if they've burned completely. I don't know if they're not mendable. And maybe this is the scenario where, look, we can't come to an agreement. Let's get another viewpoint on it. We'll let the market sort of say what the number should be. And then, you know, if it's good for us, good for you, we'll get it done. But the fact that this has been going on for two years, and I've gone personally as somebody who's just sort of covering the team, and again, down here in Maryland, I can't go to a, a bus stop, a kid's sports game without <laughs> somebody saying, hey, I know what you do. What's going to happen with Lamar? I mean, it's a question I get. I get that question and the Dan Snyder question more than any other two questions. <laughs> I've been following this Lamar thing for a while. I thought it was going to get done between Lamar and this team. The fact that we're still here and now we're at this point, it does seem like there's a fractured relationship here. Whether it's beyond repair or not remains to be seen. I'm almost with you in that. Like, It's not every team that leaked yesterday that they wouldn't pursue right. him. Uh, the ones that did are in a, perhaps a maybe I'm naive here, but a little bit of a precarious situation if they double back. Like the reporters, why would you do that to me? Um, but like I didn't see New England on that list yesterday. Like they're they're a little scary for me in this. And you know you you make the good point about the GMs who can sort of have the confidence to take a little bit what seems like a riskier pick in Richardson. You know you, with this, I'm looking at guys that might not care what the league thinks. And to me, that's maybe quintessentially the Patriots. I mean, it does. It is sort of quintessential Bill Belichick. And I will say, one of my favorite things, and sort of tying it to the combine in a little way here, one of my favorite things about going to the combine and talking and standing in front of these prospects is seeing what teams' reporters, what beat reporters, are going to see which position players. And I will say, Friday morning when I – you know, got up right early. Bryce Young's meeting to the media at 8 a.m., and I wanted to be there. I start looking around, and I see all these Patriots beat writers in front of Bryce Young. And I'm like, hmm, there's something I need to know here. Now, they all said, look, we're going to do a story on Bill O'Brien. Right. But then they were there for Stroud. Then they were there for Richardson. And now you're seeing, look, you know, the Patriots, like you said, they were really quiet yesterday. 
But there's been some rumblings, and I've looked at some odds where the New England Patriots are among the teams that could be linked to Lamar Jackson. Belichick has said for a long time now, he said it earlier this year, how much a fan he is of Lamar Jackson. He has often talked about athleticism. And, yes, there are rumblings about Mac Jones and how things went down last year and how he took a step back. And certainly, look, if they were at least going to make an inquiry into Lamar Jackson, it would not surprise me. All right, Mark. So the Bills are at 28, technically, the 27th pick in, in this first round. We're, we're bracing for a couple of prominent free agent departures. And unlike last year, and I'm sure we talked a couple of times, at least in the offseason last year, about like, you know, this is kind of the team that has everything. But now this will be a little different. And there's more scrutiny, I think, too, about the Bills having lost again, uh, short of an AFC championship, at least. What what uh, are your thoughts when it pertains to them? Like, if you were Brandon Bean, how would you be thinking here? I mean, obviously, look, it starts with a financial position. And, you know, you've got cap considerations that you've got to manage first and foremost. I mean, I know there are things they can do. Restructures, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and some other players, Vaughn Miller, where they could sort of free up some space to at least get things in a manageable situation. But the two names that come out to me most in my mind, Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you know, a linebacker, a safety, and people might think, well, in today's NFL, how valuable are those positions? They're extremely valuable, and those are two very valuable players. If, you know, if it were me, I'd find a way to get them back, but, you know, if you can only bring one of them back, then that's going to really shape what you're going to do at the end of, of the first round because those are two position groups in this draft, safety and linebacker, that are a little thin. You know, and if it is a situation where hypothetically you can only bring Tremaine Edmonds back and now you're looking at safety, you know, Brian Branch from Alabama, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, neither one of them had the best combine, but they're both very good football players. When you watch them on film, that might be the direction you go. You know, if you bring Jordan Poyer back and now you're looking at linebackers, you know, the Arkansas linebacker is one player that people have talked about, potentially linked to Buffalo. You know, Trenton Simpson from Clemson is another player, but – you know, that's the sort of roadmap that this is going to follow. Getting into a decent cap position, seeing if you can bring those two players back. You know, the problem is, you know, they're going to be highly valued on the market if they do get to the market. So it's a tough situation. Like you said, last year it was different. Wasn't a lot that they needed to address. They were in a very good place. You're kind of looking at value in the draft and value in free agency. Now they might be having to address some needs which puts you in a different mind frame when you get into free agency and when you get into the draft. You know, on, on both of those players, Edmonds and Poyer, Mark, I, I, I just sort of feel like for different reasons, I, I, I'm going to be surprised if they come back. The, and I recognize anything can happen. Like uh, two years ago, if we had talked a week before free agency began, I might have said the same thing about Matt Milano. And that got done, and they were able to retain him. But he's a part of the reason that I don't think they – well, could they find a way to make it work with Edmonds at some really big, huge number? Probably they could move some stuff around. But do you want to be a team paying two linebackers $27 million or more a year? Like, that seems nuts. And then Poyer, Poyer simply feels to me like if they were if they were going to prioritize getting him back, that would have been done last summer. Yeah, it does sort of feel that way. I mean, the one point about tying up a lot of money in linebackers, I know that's sort of – goes against kind of what we think about the NFL today. But, you know, if, if you're going to rely on, you know, sub-packages, on nickel packages, on two-linebacker packages, you, you're going to play light boxes. You better have two really good ones. Um, so that might be the line of thinking there. With Poyer, I think you're right. You know, if they were going to find a way to prioritize that and get it done, it would have been done by now. 
and you sort of wonder and you know and talking to other people you know people cover other teams not just the bills there's a thought that he's probably one foot out the door at this point you know so then it becomes how can you replace those players there are going to be some you know players like Vaughn Bell and other safeties out there where you know they could find a veteran if they go that route there are going to be some other available linebackers and there are some players in this draft it's just the timing and the way this lines up, you know, linebacker safety, if those become positions of need and you can't address them in free agency, you can't bring back the players you have, those are thin position groups in this draft. If there were a need a corner, for example, that would be a great draft to need a cornerback because it's a very good cornerback class. The timing just is such that the Buffalo Bills might be struggling to find replacements via free agency or the draft because of the way these classes stack up. Mark, one more. You can't be... <laughs> I'm not trying to lecture you, but I want to say something like you can't be a draft analyst anymore without having a take on what will happen with running back in the draft, right? Like, you know, here here's a great year for it because the guy on top is so good, it seems, B. John Robinson, but, you know, you're not supposed to want him, <laughs> right? Like, right. No, I, <laughs> let me put it this way. I want him. Okay? You know, if, <laughs> if, if I'm a general manager and I understand the, the idea that, you know, you don't draft running backs early and, and things like that, I look at a team like, I don't know how the Eagles are going to approach it, but they've got the two picks, they've got the one of 10, they've got the one at the end of the first round. I, I would be surprised if he's not a Philadelphia Eagle. I think he's an incredibly talented player. He's, and I loved what he said when he met with the media on Saturday. Somebody asked him if he, he thinks he's a three-down back. He's like, no, I'm a four-down back. <laughs> I could be there third and long. I could be there fourth and short. I could do both. And my favorite part of his, you know, not to, not to end the way we started, but with music, people asked him, what do you listen to before games? He said, look, I'm so amped up. I listen to nature sounds. That was the moment where I'm like, all right, all right. give me this guy. I want this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll draft him in the first round. Absolutely. Love it. Four do- man after my own heart. Josh yeah, Allen is I love in- that. Josh Allen is interesting yeah, when, it com- when it comes to music, right? He listens to Sinatra. Before what? a game, so like like a guy with different Whatever tastes. Works. Whatever works, exactly. Well put. Thank you, Mark. It's really fun to talk to you every time. Always a blast, my friends. Have a great afternoon. All right, Mark Schofield, you too, with us on the Wester Hotline at Mark Schofield, SB Nation, covering the NFL and F1. We'll have more today on the NFL Draft and last weekend's Combine with Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. Lives here in Western New York. As you may know, we'll do a weekly hit with uh, Chris here between now and the draft. First round, April 27th in Kansas City. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. So, last night's Sabres loss and the controversial deciding goal, the draft, Lamar Jackson, all these big topics. If one is on your mind and you want to chat about it with us, now is a good time. 803-0550, back after sports here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. 
music, you set my world on fire. and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 